Five, four, three, two, one. Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap for January 18th. Hope you're doing well. How could you not be? The Green Bay Packers got it done this weekend. We're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about why it is just a great time to be a Packer fan, maybe the best in a long time, and why this year feels so different. We're going to talk about the game itself. We'll go offense. We'll go defense. We'll go intangibles. We'll probably take a little look at Tampa Bay. And then we'll talk about the Bucs. They got a big game themselves tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. But let's not waste any more time and let's get right into it. This feels different, right? This feels different than it has in years past. Um, We've watch the various playoff trailers and everything like that and know that the Packers are on the cusp of something great here. And the Packers have got to the NFC Championship game now, well, this will be the fifth time, sixth time since 2010. They've got there a lot, and they've not had a Super Bowl to result for it, and it sticks on Aaron Rodgers' legacy. But I don't know if there's been a time where Green, the Green Bay Packers have been the best team in the league, not just the NFC, but in the league, and where the Packers have Lambeau Field as their home field advantage, and where they have the cold of the frozen tundra bringing the heat, shall we say. Um, I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but it's true. It, it really does matter. People lean into it. I think People went a little too hard in it with the Rams this week when people were like, oh, it's not cold enough. It's like 35. And I'm like, you know, they're in Los Angeles. Like, you know, it was 99 in LA this week. Like it was warm in LA and then going, having a 60 degree difference is still going to matter. Anyways, not to get sidetracked. It, it is just, there's a different feeling about this all. Like I don't know. I I felt like I was a kid again in a lot of ways. Like I and when I say like a kid again, I mean like 2010 Charlie. I mean like Charlie who was in eighth grade, not eighth grade. I was eight years old or seven years old watching the '96 Packers. Charlie, who the 13 year old Charlie who thought that we were gonna get, we were the team of destiny before Freddie Mitchell ended my life and bowed you too and left me in tears. The 17 year old Charlie, or eight, no, I was 18, was I 19? Fuck. 19 year old Charlie, there we go. 19 year old Charlie watching Brett Favre's last game as a Green Bay Packer and thinking that we were gonna be the team to take down the 18 and 0 Patriots and that. Brett Favre would get to ride off in the sunset and he would have this last hurrah and it was a storybook ending. None of that happened. And and in a way, I don't know if I've ever felt better than right now and felt more confident. And it's not cocky. It's not this arrogance sort of about it. It's like, but like I was so fucking hungover today. Like no lie. Like I, but I also probably had about a dozen shots. <laughs> Like Mitch and I were doing shots of screwball after every touchdown. We went to the bar and we had more shots at the bar. Hose, by the way, the official Snowtap WI after bar. We will see you there after the championship win. We'll see you there after the Super Bowl. As long as I don't go to the game, which I have an outside opportunity maybe that for that to happen, which would be incredible. And the, fi- the fact of the matter is, is like there is just so much of a different feeling to this. And it just, 
it's like, wow, if we don't make this, like it's going to be like Charlie of 13 and Charlie of 19 where I'm left like almost wanting to cry because like I'll feel that way. And I'll, I'll feel like if they don't at least get to the Super Bowl, there is going to be a empty pit in my stomach and it's going to take a while to sort of get it back. Like I saw someone today, like I've never been as confident in the Packers and I worry that it's Wisconsin and we just have bad losses. I would argue that Wisconsin is not as tortured as people like to make it out to be, but it's rare that we're ever this good. It's rare that we are the best team by far. Like I don't think it's close. Looking When I'm watching the first half specifically of Tampa and New Orleans, I'm like, they can't fuck with us. Like, they just straight up can't fuck with us. That's how good the Packers are right now. That's how much of a heater they are on offensively and defensively too, which they get no credit for. And so I watch that and I'm like, who's who's beating us? The Chiefs today, while they looked good in spurts with Mahomes, you know, they, they kind of slowed down in the second half and then Mahomes gets hurt and who knows? The Bills... I mean, the Bills were lucky that that game was as blown out as it was. I mean, if it's not for the pick six, if it's not for the two Justin Tucker missed field goals, I mean, there was a chance Buffalo could have lost that game like 12 to 10 to Baltimore. So I, while we all can get excited and we all can like look at these other teams, how is anyone coming away from the divisional winner and saying the Packers won the weekend? The Packers won the weekend. They are power ranked the best team right now. It's not about where it was before this started. And I would have had them before it started. I told you guys this. Like I I've been on this train for a while. And I I did a, a very I wouldn't say a very drunk. I did a drunken game review um yesterday. And I said at the end, New Orleans or Tampa, I don't give a shit. We're gonna beat them. And I meant that. Like I feel that way. And it's so rare to feel this confident about it, about your sports team. And you want to like have that little pessimistic side. What if we lose this game? I mean, I had it with the Rams game. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I was doing some chores around the house in the morning. I was listening to Lil Wayne, which I that song, here's the thing. That song is good for what it is. Is it, gonna, is it a mind-blowing song? No. Am I going to listen to it while I'm at the gym tonight? Yeah. I'm going to fucking throw some weights on and just fucking grind out and fire my ass up. But the fact of the matter is, is I was like, well, man, if you lose in a divisional round and Lil Wayne made a song for you, that would really suck. And I was like, well, shit, could we lose this game? And like, I'll be worried about Tampa. I'm not going to like disregard Tampa. I know what happened the last time they played, although I think you can throw that so far out the fucking window. We'll talk more about that as the week goes on. But I I just have this supreme confidence in this team, and it's it's just this weird feeling, right? It's a weird feeling. And we talked about why it kind of felt like 96 and how people felt that way in 96. And the Packers in 96 pushed everybody's collective shit in. They beat the Niners by double digits in a divisional round. They beat the Panthers by double digits in the conference championship. And then they won the Super Bowl by double digits. They were the best team in football that year. And it wasn't close. So it's it does feel like that. I, and it's hard to escape that sort of confidence of that this, they are gonna, they, they're going to make this happen. They're going to do this. 
And they all have this goal in mind. And I think they know it. Like, I I don't think this is just a one-sided thing. They are unafraid of anyone that comes in their way. They are not scared one iota. And you read the Bob Tanyan piece in the Players' Tribune and how confident he sounded and how they all have this goal in mind. And they want to do it for guys like Aaron Rodgers or Mercedes Lewis or other veterans who either want to get another ring or they want to get their first ring overall. That matters. And I think that there is just nothing better right now than being a Green Bay Packer fan. And I hope you all cherish it. And for those who maybe are jumping on the bandwagon a little bit, God bless you. I used to be an asshole about that sort of thing. And I I would say, well, why are people, people are just coming on the Brewer bandwagon and whatever. Fuck it, man. Like, enjoy the ride. Enjoy this ride because I think this could be as good as it gets. And you just don't know how often these come around. And maybe that's why I feel so good this this evening as I'm taping before uh, before Monday gets going. It's about to hit Monday uh, on the, the 12s. But that's why I feel so good. It's why I feel so happy. And I and I said I've said it so many times in different varieties, different capacities, that it's so fucking hard to win a Super Bowl, so fucking hard to get there. But when you actually have a team that you know should get there, it's an amazing feeling, and you just hope nothing inter nothing interrupts it, because if it does, it's gonna it's gonna be a long long off season. But we're not gonna go to negative town. We're going to keep this positive train rolling. And let's talk a little bit about Packers-Rams. So the Packers and Rams played the first game of the divisional round weekend. There was a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of hype for this game, but I think, like I said earlier in the week, I think the football minds were excited for this game. The people who really like football were excited for a game such as this one because it was strength on strength. There were a lot of cool matchups to nerd out over. And it just, it, it was a lot of fun. It just, on paper, it seemed like it would be fun. A lot of good storylines with McVay and LaFleur. And just, you know, whatever. It was a, it was a awesome matchup on paper. And even with the Jared Goff thumb stuff, maybe they could figure it out. Some thought maybe this could be a little bit of a Giants-like team in 2007 or 2011 where they use their defense and they ride their defense. But that wasn't meant to be because the Green Bay Packers put 488 yards on, on that defense. They put 32 points on them. They controlled the ball the entire game. Green Bay was dominant in this game. Green, I mean, the Rams are lucky they didn't get beat by 30 points. Like, the, the Packers could have easily had 46 points. Then they had two couple missed opportunities offensively, but this was an ass kicking. It might not have felt that way when it was 25 to 18 and got a little tight, but at no point did anyone think the Packers were losing this game. Everyone had confidence. And they showed why. And you hit Lazard for the touchdown. That is the dagger. And really just awesome stuff from the play call by LaFleur to the pass from Aaron Rodgers. It was right on point. And that was, that, and yeah, made up for the alligator arm Lazard drop earlier where he easily could add another touchdown. And he could have lit it up. 
But the Packer offense was churning. I can't say enough about the offensive line. I know Aaron Donald was hurt. I know Aaron Donald didn't have as many meaningful snaps as he used to, as he's accustomed to now, really. As he's, yeah, as he's used to. That was, that was right. It's not just Aaron Donald on that defense, though. And they were the best against the run, one of the best against the pass all year. And Green Bay looked made him look like mincemeat. And that offensive line was awesome in this game. You wouldn't have known that David Bakhtiari wasn't in this game. The way they played was phenomenal. Elton Jenkins took it to Donald all game long. He got Donald to a personal foul. Corey Lindsley was great. I thought Lucas Patrick played really well. There was no weak spot on that offensive line. They did such a good job against that front seven. And it was really impressive to see. And Green Bay was able to get holes. And they brought more of a running attack than I think Los Angeles would have expected. And they were running out of a lot of 21 personnel and a lot out of shotgun. And they were doing a lot of these sort of zone runs out of shotgun. And they were really successful. They kind of spread out Los Angeles. And when they spread out Los Angeles, the holes opened up. And Aaron Jones, the big 60-yard run. Jamal Williams had a really nice day, 65 on the ground. A.J. Dillon had a couple good carries. I mean, that is a legit three-headed monster. Now, we'll see if Dillon's able to play. He had the quad injury. We'll see if he's able to go next week. But that is a really scary thing to say, all right, not only do you have Aaron Rodgers, but you also have three receivers that are three running backs that can just completely wear you down and put Green Bay in a great position to succeed. Now, Aaron Rodgers, I thought, was mostly good in this game. I I think it was maybe not at the MVP level as we've grown accustomed to. Some Someone said it was like one of his worst games. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, he had 296. Yeah, he only had, he averaged eight yards up per completion, but he still had some major moments in this game, and he still had some really great throws and just spread it out. I mean, while Devontae Adams tore up Jalen Ramsey and had six catches for 99 yards, you know, he found Alan Lazard a couple times. He found Robert Tanyan a couple times. Uh, Quemus St. Brown got involved. Marquez Valdez-Scantling kind of had a few short yardage plays. The one that a lot of people point out is the catch he made to get the first down that set up the Lazard touchdown. It was a third and short Scantling gets gets the pass. It's kind of similar to what happened in Indianapolis. Very similar sort of stretch play. And he he extends and he gets the first down. After that, Alan Lazard gets the touchdown. One of the things that I think MVS doesn't get credit for is he does a lot of the little things. Like, even though he has some drops, he does the little things. And trust me, MVS is going to be a factor in this game come Sunday. We won't talk about it much because I want to stay on the Rams, but MVS is a really important part of Sunday, but we'll we'll get into that as the week goes on. So everybody sort of on that offense got theirs, and that and that's incredible against such a good defense, and that's kind of to the earlier part of this podcast, like why you should feel so confident in the Packers. Seeing what they're able to do against a top defense is just incredible, and it was it was awesome to watch. It was a lot of fun to see that offense sort of cook to where where they were. As for the defense. 
defense had a good, not great game. I think there was some really nice things to like defensively for the Packers. But I I also felt like there were some things that, you know, could have been improved on. And the soft zone stuff will drive you crazy, but you love to see some of the pressure things that Green Bay got home with, whether it was Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith had a moment. They The Packers defense definitely was fueled by the fans. And I, I think that they were ready to play immediately and they didn't lollygag. And we've seen this sometimes at Lambeau this season where the defense takes a little while to wake up. Well, when you have you know, 8,000 fans in there, which Roger said it felt like 50,000. And it, he was right. It looked like 50,000. It felt like 50,000 to me sitting on my couch. That defense was ready to play. And really good game from Rashawn Gary, who had seven pressures. He was in the backfield what seemed like all day long. Rashawn Gary has turned a corner. He's been really special for the Green Bay Packers. I also thought Chris Barnes was great. Now he fractured his thumb, but Barnes kind of didn't give a shit. He was out there. He's wearing a cast. He is such a factor. I've really liked what we've seen from Christian Kirksey. The adjustment to move him to a weak side linebacker has been a really good one for this Green Bay Packer team. Jair Alexander, again, Jair Allen, right? Jair Island, not Jair Allen. Jair Island, you know, one catch, negative uh, three yards. Jair should have been the guy that people were talking about, not Jalen Ramsey. I hope that people come away from this game and say, not only do the Packers have an awesome offense, but oh yeah, they have the lockdown corner. The guy who's going to lock down, whether it's Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, that's going to do the damn thing because that's the type of player Jair Alexander has been all season. And I think that at some point, people are going to re- realize how good this guy is because he's he's incredible, man. He he really does play play with such a swagger, such an emotion, and it, it's really it's really great. And yeah, the soft zone's still a problem, right? You they you saw it at the end of the half. The Rams are able to sneak down a touchdown. Then. They get another score with kind of just a lifeless drive from the defense. That was probably the one, the second half where they allowed the Cam Akers uh, Wildcat touchdown. That was probably the worst the defense has looked in the last like month and a half, where they just did not seem like they were ready to play defense, and that was a tough one. But they bounced back. I mean, they sh- they shut out the Rams in the fourth quarter. They they made the stops when it mattered, and that's. It's all you can ask for out of a defense, and they're still kind of underrated, and I I think they can give Tom Brady a game. Like I think they can get to Tom Brady. I think they can frustrate Brady, and I think they're going to make some plays, but you got to protect. You got to do two things. You can't do all the soft zone, and you got to be careful with Kevin King because Brady is going to pick on Kevin King all day long, and that to me, gives me nightmares. If you're saying, what's the one thing that scares you? It's that Kevin King is going to get picked on, whether it's Chris Godwin, whether it's Antonio Brown, and we'll see if Brown's able to go. I think he hurt maybe his calf or his, hopefully it's not his Achilles. But yeah, Antonio Brown, not I think was out the rest of the game after he came up limp uh, right before the first half. But yeah, they're going to go at Kevin King. And Patton's going to have to do some things to adjust to that. But I, I just, yeah, this was a complete game from the Packers. Yeah, they had the bad snap on the special teams. You hope Mason Crosby's all right. I think he is. 
Um, and but it was it was great to see the fans. I know there'll probably be some takes about tailgating, and there might not have been some mask wearing. Look, you're outdoors. I think everybody was trying to wear a mask when they could. It was great to have them. It was great to make the Lambeau Field 12th man advantage. And you haven't had that all year. And they're going to be full throat next week with Tom Brady coming to town. It is going to be somehow even louder in that stadium because they are, they're going to be ready. And in a weird way, it, it just had to be this way, right? Like it had to be Brady Rogers and it had to be sort of the end game. And if Rogers wants to sort of have this tail end of his legacy, it has to be by beating down Brady. And I know Rodgers has said, look, it's about me against the Tampa Bay defense and it's about Tom against our defense. We don't go up against each other, but they do and it matters. And if Brady has this over Rodgers, there's a lot of debate settling going on. And if Aaron Rodgers comes out and smokes Tampa Bay, there's again, it's it's crazy how this all works. And I'm just so excited for it. I, I am going to be really nervous probably come thir- come Sunday. But like I told you guys at the start, I feel really confident in this team. I would have felt confident if it was New Orleans. I felt confident if it's Tampa Bay. And I feel good. And I know this is a home turf championship game, the first of its kind since 2007. And that Aaron Rodgers has the opportunity that he has wanted. And they all know what the goal is. And I don't think they're scared of it. I don't think they're running away from it. And by damn it, I think they're going to do it. So we'll see. We'll obviously talk a lot more about the Tampa and uh, Packer game as as the week goes on. The Battle of the Bays, as they'll say, uh, around the water cooler this week. I don't even know if there's water coolers these days with COVID. Let's talk about the Bucks really quick. Let's move topics. Let's change change uh, directions here the Milwaukee Bucks did have a nice win against the Dallas Mavericks 112 to 109 the big thing that stood out in that game well two things really Chris Middleton's ability to close actually I have three Chris Middleton's ability to close the game was one I mean he had eight straight points after the Bucks had trailed 104 to 103 Middleton was a straight assassin now some people will be like Giannis was hanging out in the corner. Kendrick Perkins had just that awful take. I don't understand really Kendrick Perkins sort of MO. Sometimes I think Kendrick Perkins is super insightful. He was a Middleton guy. And then other times I think he's just trying to troll. I think him and Dan Orlowski are a lot the same. I like Dan Orlowski, but I think sometimes Dan Orlowski says stuff just so he can get on TV later in the week. I think Kendrick Perkins does the exact fucking thing where he says stuff that he knows Max and Stephen A will want to talk to him about, right? So that's why I think that what happens there. But Middleton was a straight killer. And look, I don't really care who closes out games for the Bucks. It doesn't matter to me. If Dante DiVincenzo finds a way to be a, a assassin from three down the stretch, I don't care as long as the Bucks are winning and the Bucks are making their way to the NBA Finals. But Middleton's that dude, and I really think Chris Middleton's going to be a top 15 player in the NBA when the year is done. I mean, I think he is an all-star lock again, but I also think Middleton might be an all-NBA second-teamer. He is taking a leap. 
And we'll see how many people realize that Middleton has taken a leap. Jeff Van Gundy on the broadcast said a lot of similar things that we've said on this show about how Middleton doesn't get enough credit because he's not a sexy player. He's not a rah-rah guy. He's very modest. He's very humble. So you don't see that. But Middleton is a killer. And I expect some big things out of him tonight against Brooklyn. I think there will be some good good opportunities against L.A., Mids Mids is the man, and he needs to be taken more seriously, and I hope he does, and maybe these two national games can even help extend that exposure. Number two, I just thought the defense and philosophy with Luka Doncic was so different. Um, You had Drew Holiday really clamping him down in the fourth quarter where Luka was ineffective, bitching about calls, frustrated. Holiday was excellent against Luka. But also during the game, they blitzed a lot. They got up in Luka's grill. They did not let him get comfortable at all. So that was an adjustment. And I know people love to criticize Mike Budenholzer and say, Mike Budenholzer isn't making the adjustments that we want. He's not doing the things that we we come to expect when we were told that things were going to be changing for the Bucs. They are changing for the Bucs. And I hope people realize that. Like I know what we'll talk about with Giannis's free throws is a bigger story. But the fact of the matter is, is that Bud is making good changes. Bud's doing some things that are a little bit different. He got Brook Lopez into the post in this game, which I think was welcomed and needed. And so I think the Bucks are just trying to do little tweaks as the year goes on. They're not trying to go full throat because they don't want to A, reveal all their cards, but B, they don't want to get, you know, teams get a book on it and start figuring it out. So I really, I really like what I've seen from the Bucks. They are a top team in the East again. They have this big game against Brooklyn, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, it's it's good. It's it's kind of rolling in the right direction. Giannis Antetokounmpo missed nine free throws. I'm sure it'll be a story on TNT today. Look, Giannis has these games. These games come and go for Giannis. He has streaks where he's really hot from the line. He has streaks where he's really cold from the line. It's very similar to Shaquille O'Neal, where you have a guy who can make free throws at and practice all the time, but it's all between the years. And at some point, Giannis just has to not let himself kind of get in his own head about it. I think when he misses four straight or he misses six straight, it's like, oh, all hope is lost. And it's like, it's not. And Giannis kind of deferred to Middleton because I don't think he wanted to go to the free throw line again. I think he was like, look, I don't have it tonight. I know I don't have it. I'm deferring to Middleton. I That's fine. Middleton can kind of be that dude. And I just, I worry, I hope this isn't the start of a cold stretch, especially because we have to do national media the next two games where all they're doing is squawking about the fact that Giannis can't make a free throw. But I, I think that you're going to start seeing it put it all together. I'm not really worried about it. I don't think it's this big concern. I know people want to make it out to be a concern, but LeBron's had bad free throw years. I, I, There are only a certain amount of games where you look at it and say, if Giannis just would have made his, his average, they would have won the game by two or three possessions. That doesn't happen that often. As much as people want to make it seem like it's it's a constant, it really isn't. You you score and you you don't have to rely on the free throw line. It's not really an issue for them. So 
I I'm not too worried about Giannis and his free throws, but yeah, it's it's a slight, it's a tinge concern, and we'll see if it comes up against Brooklyn tonight. So the Bucks play the Nets. Uh, should be a really fun game. You'll have the Nets at full strength, Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, and then you'll have the Bucks with Holiday, Giannis, and Middleton. It'll be interesting to see what they do from a guard perspective. So. Holiday has guarded Harden before, obviously, because they played in the same conference. He's done pretty well against him defensively. Also, the Bucks have done really well against Harden just in their drop defense. Or do you put Holiday on Kyrie and go Middleton to Harden? And that's kind of your adjustment. Durant, obviously, for Giannis. Giannis has to stay out of foul trouble against Durant. Um, and whoever decides to take take the other it's it, they they it'll be tough it's not going to be easy but i also am not going to put too much stock into this game i'm sure we'll talk about it i'm sure we'll have takeaways but it's not a game where i'm going to be like all right this is an indication of exactly what's going to happen in may or june if they meet in the conference finals or the divisional finals that's just not not the way to do it it's not a smart way to sort of make sweeping generalizations about what could happen with these teams. Um, but I do think that that'll, that's just part of the media. And it'll be a couple of days removed from the NFL. They'll need that sort of gap. And that gap will be blessed to them by the Brooklyn-Milwaukee game. And I, I really hope for a good one out of the Bucks. You take this one, I'll argue, then the Lakers game on Thursday becomes a little house money-ish and just you played three good teams you went two and one that's that's pretty solid I can I can live with that but what I would really love is three and oh one and two would be unfortunate because then you have to have a conversation of how good really are the bucks and so we'll see how they do against the Nets I feel pretty good just considering how well Budenholzer has done against Dan D'Antoni systems in the past I think this won't be any different I will. I think the Bucks will be victorious, but again, it's regular season. It's not not the end of the world if they don't get it done. All right, I think that will do it for us. I was like, ah, we did talk. We talked about the bar and my hangovers. That would kind of be our Chuck's Corner segment today. Was just God. I haven't been hungover like that in a long time. And I'll tell you what, I didn't miss it. I did not miss that feeling. And it wasn't like a headache. It was just lethargic, like moving at a like 75%, 65% pace instead of that full 100%. And just God bless Hosed. I missed Hosed. I haven't been there in a, I haven't been there since the pandemic. It was good to see it. It was good to be about it. They don't have popcorn right now. I get it. It still bums me out. I think we could still have popcorn. It probably is on the band list. I just am a slut for bar popcorn. If you cannot find a better bar snack, them bar popcorn. It is the goat. Um, it is the Aaron Rodgers of bar food that is an actual bar food. But that's another story for another time. We'll be back tomorrow with another Daily Tap. We'll talk Brooklyn, Milwaukee. We'll start to kind of get into that Tampa, Tampa Green Bay game. Uh, then we will have another one on Wednesday. And then 400th episode for Dabbing the Keg. On Thursday, Murph's going to be here. Murph went to the game. We will talk about kind of his experience, what that was like. We'll also just kind of be reminiscent, look back on everything. And then we'll do Should I Bet My Team on Friday. Remember, I'm on all the socials. You can find me Facebook, 
Twitter, Instagram, and reach out if you have any feedback. I've, I've, I've the door has been wide open, just waiting for more feedback, just to try to see how we can continue to get better doing this thing. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great Monday, and we'll talk tomorrow. See you. Bye.